Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. This is episode 44, still in a pandemic. Has this been like eight weeks, nine weeks of uh, just having no topics to talk about? Ten weeks. Ten weeks. <laughs> uh, do we have ten more weeks in us, do you think? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not on every show. I exclude you from the the rewatchables with Tommy and the the movie talk with with Dustin. Yeah, I mean – Hopefully, uh, this uh, what we're talking about today actually happens. Well, we'll see. So on today's show, as Wade teases it, Wade and I are going to talk about our prospect of the year. Or not our prospect of the year, but the prospect of the year from 1992. It's a good we're one. Moving, we're moving up. Uh, almost a guy. Well, this is a guy we know. And uh, we're getting closer and closer to, you know, guys from like our era of, you know, actually – you know, not being children, like we're, we're getting closer and closer to the guys that uh, are our contemporaries, uh, you would say. So I think it's a fun exercise. You get to see who's, who's who of prospects from uh, we started in 1990 um, and going through the years. Uh, I think it's been pretty fun. And I like do, do you like doing this? Do you think it's a fun segment? Yeah, I mean, the 91 guy was a nobody. So that one was kind of boring. But I think I think today's guy will uh, be pretty interesting. That's going to happen once in a while. You're going to get the no-name guy, but even that's semi-interesting because then you get to go over a guy that you have no you know, memories of or no information on. You get to discover a new guy in Padres history, and of course he didn't pan out. That's why we don't know who he was, and uh, we're talking about last week's guy. I already forgot who last week's guy was. I don't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> He's gone. I don't, I'm not even going to look it up. It doesn't matter. He's gone. Um, also on today's show, Wade and I are going to slog through some of the news around the start of the MLB season. We talked about it a bit last week, too. I, I, was it la- last week? I don't even remember what we talk about in each show now. It all, it's all a blur. Yeah, I, I got nothing for you. You got nothing. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the start of the MLB season, what what they're talking about with the players' union and the, the owners. Um, and I'm starting to waver a little bit on should we be doing an MLB season? In an NBA season, for that matter, and I mean season. You're wavering. Last week, you were like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> "Like, who cares about their families? They can just go for five months and not see anybody." True, I, st- I stand by that. But <laughs> hear me out on this. So I'm wavering in the sense of putting on a traditional season because nothing about this se- the MLB season or the continuation of the NBA season is going to be traditional. So I don't think we're gonna. Ha- no matter what happens this year the seasons are going to have an asterisk. So why don't we have a little fun with it? Make it um, maybe more of a tournament style format instead of just a traditional season where there's a world series winner or an NBA finals winner, you do something different. Like I still want the games obviously, and I'm going to gamble the hell out of them, but just don't try to tell me it's a piece of pizza when it's, you know, it's a piece of bread with some marinara sauce on it. Just call it something different. I won't mind. Does that make sense? Don't uh, pizza or don't French fry when you should pizza. <laughs> exactly. You should never, you're going to have a bad time if you French fry <laughs> when you should pizza. 
Um, and like this, is, it's not unprecedented. Like, like during World War II, they canceled seasons and like players went off to the war and like the leagues didn't exist. We got the women's league and we got for the love of the not for the love of the game. We got a uh, what was the movie with Tom Hanks? Um, There's no crying in baseball. Yeah. That, what was, the what's the I'm blanking on the name beaches. of this? Yeah, well, I'm blanking on the name of the movie. What was the name of the movie? A League of Their Own. Come on. Thank you. League of Their Own. I know that. Um, good movie. Uh, Great movie. Gina, Gina Davis. I think that movie holds up still. Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna. Yeah, tremendous cast. Tom Hanks leading the way. Um, and lots of other guys that were, I don't, I don't remember their names, but I recognize them when I see them, you know? Um, so anyway, if you're going to have a season, just do something different. Like, don't make it, don't try to sell it as a, as a regular season with a, with a champion at the end. Does that make sense? Do you agree? We'll get into it later. Um, last segment of the show, bringing Dustin back on, because why not? He and I were chatting about doing uh, different movie segment ideas with him still. Did you listen to the last one at all, Wade? The, the draft? Bits and pieces. It was really long, and I didn't mean for it to go that long. So we're going to try to do a shorter one. Um, and we were just talking about new ideas for a different draft, and I was throwing out like the... A, a draft with the best movies in New York because I happen to be watching um, Gangs of New York. I, I rewatch Gangs of New York like once a year, and it's yeah, one of my favorite Leo's movies. So good in that, he's amazing. Uh, well, I think um, what's this is a great. It's a great movie. It is. Uh, Bill the Butcher. Um, God damn, I'm having a tough time with names today. Uh, I have to look that up. Wade, what's his fucking name? Um, I know who Daniel Day Lewis. God damn, there right. it is. Um, so Daniel Day Lewis, I think, makes the movie though. Is is like one of the strongest villains of all time. Uh, so we were talking about New York movies and doing a draft, and he thought it was a good idea. But then we started talking, and like maybe it's a little, you know, boring. There's too many New York movies. We started talking about I don't know how this happened, but the best comedies that you can turn into a horror slash thriller movie with just a simple reframing of the story. Um, through the eyes of different characters. Um, so if when you change the perspective of the character, like who's the, the main character, the movie in the tone can change a lot. And if you maybe change the score too, um, we were talking about Mrs. Doubtfire. This is just an example. I don't know if this is going to be in the draft or not, but Mrs. Doubtfire, you could turn into a, like a horror suspense thriller movie just by changing the main character. So instead of following Robin Williams character and you're seeing it from his perspective, you see it from the mother's perspective who has no idea her crazy ex-husband has disguised himself as an elderly British nanny to spy on her and her children. Like that sounds like the plot of a horror movie. Step brothers. You could do. I was going to ask you, did you have any nominations? Do you think step brothers? So how, how do you think step brothers would fall into this? I thought about it, but I don't see a, a clear path here. I mean, can you redo the plot or you no, that's just... gotta be the same plot and you just shift the, the point of view of the, the storyteller. Then you do it from one of the parents' eyes, like their life was normal, and then this other stepbrother came in. You think so? Yeah. Because think- don't we already see the story kind of from all four of their perspectives, the two brothers and then the two parents? I don't know. I think it would work. Possibly. I don't think it fits as well. as I don't know if it would make the draft. That it's movie kinda- guy, Dustin, discuss. Well, well <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about it with Dustin and see what he thinks. So anyway, that's going to be on the show today. So- before we get into all that, Wade, you want to do our ad for Bet Online? While you're waiting this out at home, you can still have some fun betting with our partner, betonline.ag. No NBA, NHL, or MLB, but don't worry. Bet Online still has hundreds of games, events, and sports to wager on. 
NASCAR is back, baby. Madden and NBA 2K simulators. There's 10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. UFC Fight Island. Online casino with poker and my favorite, Blackjack. Uh. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex Chicago Bulls Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper joining to discuss the Michael Jordan doc on what they are calling the final dance. There are still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. God, that Jordan doc is getting talent or is getting a uh, content for everybody. ESPN is milking so much content out of that thing. Peloton even like did a ride, like laughing <laughs> ride sponsored by ESPN. <laughs> so few, so few of the minutes on that documentary were actually about the final season, which was called the last dance. Like it was nine tenths of it were about everything before the last dance. It was not good. <laughs> it was it was fine, but like calm down calling it the best documentary ever. Like people calling it the best documentary ever. Don't watch documentaries. That sounds like a 14-year-old a Ryan opinion. Yeah. Um, and Horace Grant's pissed off. Speaking of Horace Grant, he didn't, so he didn't like <laughs> Scott. I don't think Scotty needs to be pissed off about anything. Why would why is Scotty pissed? I don't know, but Bleacher Report is hot on the street reporting it. Scotty, uh, nothing I saw painted Scotty in a, in a poor light. Like the things they talked about with Scotty actually happened. The things where he didn't have the surgery in the off season, you know, he, he waited till the season started in 90, was it 97 or 98 that he had the, the, his surgery? Um, Scotty, you, you did that. That's everyone knows about that. That happened. And then the time where you refused to go in at the end of the game that everyone, that's a that's public knowledge too. Like I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of that cause it was really young for my time, but you, you don't need to hide from that stuff that happened. And you said it made you a better person in the long term. I don't. And then by the end of it, I think everybody was really impressed with Scotty Pippen. Yeah, I don't get really where Scotty is coming from. I don't either. Horace Grant, I kind of get a little because everyone was calling him the snitch. And if he didn't do it and he thinks people are just making shit up, then I could understand Horace Grant being upset. But Scotty, I thought Scotty came off really good in the whole doc. But that's just me, I guess. Or you know, I, I think a lot of other people feel that way too. And then it's just, it's just Scotty feels self-conscious about something. I don't know. Yeah. I think Scotty's a kind of strange dude, but, uh, Bill Simmons doesn't think Dennis Rodman's interesting. So there's that take. <laughs> well, that take was all about, uh, I'm a big Simmons guys, you know, um, the, the take him and Rosillo had the same take and it's none of this was new with Dennis. We all knew this about Dennis Rodman and is he interesting just because he went to Vegas and dyed his hair and slept with Carmen Electra and drinks a lot? Like, does that make you interesting? I'm not so sure. Yeah, and it's, that it's makes all it very interesting. And it's all just repetitive anyway. Like, that's all stuff we've known for 30 years. So why was that Dennis Rodman episode fascinating to watch? I don't think it was either. I disagree. I think there should be just a documentary on Dennis. <laughs> okay. Uh, you can work on that. Let's talk about baseball because this is a baseball show and there's no baseball to talk about. So we're just going to make some shit up to talk about. And that shit is the MLB owners and the players union trying to come to an agreement on a season and what that's going to look like. So the two big problems, it appears to me, uh, I mean, you can read all the details about um, 
what they're talking about on ESPN or MLB.com or whatever, but we're not going to go into the minutiae of all the, all the details of these things, but the, the big issues seem to be health screening and revenue sharing. So like we talked about last week, I was yelling about, um, what they, what are the contingency plans for if players start to test positive? And I still don't think they really know because they haven't, they haven't told us. And then revenue sharing, the players have an, an issue with what the owners are presenting them. So the players are concerned about setting a precedent of this 50-50 revenue split, which isn't even officially on the table, I don't think, because the owners are the owners have said that they they know the players were rejected, so that they haven't even offered that yet. They don't want to start there in their negotiations. Um, the players don't want a cap on revenue. So they don't want their salaries to be capped based on you know what the league is bringing in that year. The owners won't tell them how much revenue there's going to be or how much they're losing. So that's kind of a, a non-starter with the players' union and negotiations that the the owners won't open up the books um, to the the because of the, it's a labor negotiation. They don't want to give away all their financial information to the players, and I think that makes sense. It's it's labor versus management. You can't the owners of the league aren't going to share how much money they're making or losing, um, even though it looks like they're going to lose their asses if they have a season and things don't go a certain way. So it's a complicated issue. Um, we're not going to dive into all of it, but trust is a huge problem between the, the owners and the players, which of course it is because it's a labor negotiation. There's a lot of money involved here. The players aren't going to sniff anything that smells like it could be a salary cap. That's a non-starter. And this is why they have the best union. There's no salary cap. There's no limit to what the players can make. They get paid actual value. Unlike, you know, LeBron James or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, where they have to make all their money in endorsements. Um, even for one year, though, the players don't want to set this precedent. Yeah, it's a one-year deal, potentially, where they have a cap on what they can make. But MLB won't disclose all the financials. The owners are afraid of losing their asses on one season. I think they're kind of guaranteed to lose money, MLB. I think they want to, they want to put on this product so they get some of their money back and they, you know, they keep interest in the news and throughout the season. They're, they're the only sport happening. I think they could... You know, gam- if they get in the gambling game a little bit, um, they could make some of this money back, maybe. But if they're saying 40% of their team revenue comes from the gate, there's a lot of money to make back somehow, and they don't know how they're going to do it yet. So they're trying to protect their asses. What do you see in all that? Is any of that s- sound fishy to you? Are you with the players? Like, I don't give a shit what the, your revenue is. Pay me my full contract or pay me you know, the, the percentage of games that played the furloughed money shouldn't come back to me at the end of the season. Like, what do you, Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a side. It's like, I see both points. I see the player's point and I see the owner's point. And I mean, someone's going to have to budge, but I don't see either side budging. So I don't, I honestly don't see baseball happening this year. It's kind of crazy that this is what's holding it up. It's just, it's money basically from the player's perspective. They just, they don't want to do this revenue split with the owners and they they need proof. They say from the owners who are in financial distress and the, the owners just won't do it. Um, the owners say there's going to be no salary max. So a cap or no salary minimum, which, you know, I think you could look at it both ways. There's no salary minimum. Um, I think hurts the veteran players, no salary max great for your stars, no salary minimum. Um, I think, and by sal, I mean for the team salary. So like, there's a league minimum in, in baseball per player. It's five hundred. I think it's roughly five hundred thousand dollars. It changes, you know, every couple of years a little bit. But that's what you know rookies make when they're they're just in the league. Um, 
but for team payrolls, like there's no minimum amount you have to spend on your roster. And I think that hurts veteran players because they're the more expensive guys who why pay Logan Morrison, you know, two, three million dollars a season when you can get uh, a rookie that's going to make league minimum. Who's Tommy have Edmund. The, the same numbers. Yeah. Tommy Edmonds making 500 grand and Tommy Edmonds potentially a much better player than say, you know, Logan Morrison, who I think is a free agent or something. Like, why would you pay Logan Morrison four times the salary? Doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. And rebuilding teams aren't going to pay Logan Morrison any money because they'd rather save the money than they're tanking anyway. Right. Um, so I think that in that way it hurts veterans, but let's say some players don't want to play during the health crisis. We've seen, uh, Blake Snell come out and say he refuses to play now. I think if everybody else in baseball, this is my first thought was Blake Snell refuses to play cool, man. It's you're refusing to play at a time when no one's asking you to play. Let's see what happens when the league is starting again and literally every other player is playing. Do you think Blake Snell holds his ground and is the one guy who doesn't play? And I, if he does, it's like, who cares? Next man up. Like, there's a guy in AAA, AA that it will gladly play. Like, and, you're, you're right to not play, but you shouldn't be, like, persuading other people not to play. That too. Do whatever you want. And then it, you're going to lose your salary. Too. But anyway, um, it's if – you, if he refuses to play, it's, it's no different than a pitcher going down with an arm injury for the year, which happens a ton anyway. So teams are kind of prepared for this – inevitability with pitching injuries there's always another guy like you said it's next man up teams teams have a roster full of pitchers to go ready to go and one guy gets hurt that's that'd be a great season if one of your pitchers got hurt like usually it's three or four or five you know going out for big chunks of the season all the time but you have players refusing to play maybe um players that don't want to isolate from their families uh Players like Paul DeYoung, who I saw talking today on ESPN, making a pretty good point. They, they threw in that he was a biochemistry major in college. Like, OK, cool. It doesn't really make you an expert on anything. Um, <laughs> but he says, OK, let, let's say there's testing every day, which is great. They're isolating us every day. Great. And we're playing baseball around the same guys. We're all we're all testing positive every or testing um, negative every day. Why are the health restrictions so tight in the clubhouse and on the field with regards to like showers, spitting, high fives, hugging teammates. Um, it's funny. We're arguing about hugging and showering <laughs> as part of the, uh, getting baseball back, but, um, getting physical therapy when they need it. So I kind of see this point here. Why is there restriction on, you know, clubhouse showers and spitting on the field when all these guys are being tested every single day? And let's say they're all negative when they start, who gives a shit if they're spitting on the field? Yeah. And how are you going to monitor that? Like, oh, the ump sees the right fielder spit. He's ejected. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to have like the the golf tattletales. Like, they're going to be showing the game on TV and Dexter Fowler spits and the guys are going to be calling MLB and like reporting you and you're going to be docked <laughs> either and salary probably, or like, half the league is dipping tobacco the entire game. <laughs> like, what? You're going to take that away from them? Uh, I don't know. Do you think in 2020 that many guys are still dipping? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think so. I think they're I'd getting say off. At least third, at least a third of the league is still dipping. I think one. I think it's like one in ten. I don't even think it's that close. We'll we'll have to get a a recent player on to I don't because I don't want to ask minor league guys either. Minor league, I think it's forbidden. Does that sound right to you? I think it is, but they don't like actually monitor it. Kind of like how our summer league says you don't dip, but if we can't catch you, like. Uh, they, they still do it sometimes. 
you're, if just don't be dumb and spit on the field and we'll find it. Like we play it, we play on college campuses and on high school fields. Like you're not allowed to have tobacco products. So, um, we say it's, it's forbidden. And if we catch you, you're in, you're in the shit, but they still do it. I, I know a few of them do it, but, um, also recently former players, as you see, uh, Tom Glavin, Alex Rodriguez commenting on stuff, which is hilarious because they're the former guys who already got paid and are now commenting on players that should be doing blank when it has nothing to do with them anymore. I always find that amusing, but like old man yelling at clouds, kind of, uh, Tom Glavin, who was actually a former player rep was talking, like, not talking shit, but he said, if, uh, if it were come down to an economic issue and that's the reason baseball didn't come back, you're looking at a situation similar to the strike of 94 and 95, as far as fans are concerned, even if players were hundred percent justified in what they were complaining about, they're still going to look bad, which also makes sense. So, um, when, even if the players, you know, are in the right and maybe they're getting there, they don't want to get screwed in this negotiation with the owners. It's going to look really bad on the players when it's the owners who are the ones, you know, trying to come to the table and the, and the players are the ones refusing because they're not getting enough money. Right. Major league baseball. This is from ESPN. Also major league baseball and the players union have been negotiating terms to start a shortened season over the weekend and will be released. It's return to play plans. You can find that all on ESPN that addresses um, the expansive COVID-19 testing as well as travel and stadium adjustments, on-field changes, and a wide variety of other issues. The league has also reportedly told players it projects to lose $4 billion even if a season is played. That's spread across, you know, you know, 30 teams in the commissioner's office, I guess. Then the financial figures relate to how much players will make this year. The sides have agreed in March that players would make a prorated salary based on games played, but owners voted last week to propose salaries be based on a 50-50 split of revenue. That sounds perfectly reasonable to me, a 50-50 split. I think Glavin kind of has a point. It's just he's he might not be the right one saying it is the former player who made his money already and has no horse in this race. He's not affected by this deal at all. So you, you kind of rather would hear from an active player, but I think he makes I mean, a pretty good point. It is. It's just one year. And like you look at the whole rest of the country, all these people don't have jobs. It's like suck it up for one year and take your 50-50 and then you'll get paid next year again. Yeah, I don't I don't think a 50-50 thing is bad for players necessarily. Like yeah, no one's making the kind of salary they were going to. Like that join the rest of the world, you guys. Right. And even if it's prorated for based on number of games, the owners are taking all the risk here. The players are going to get paid no matter what. And they're going to be sharing the revenue with the owners. So like you're not it's not like you have to stick your neck out here. The the, the owners if we don't do this 50-50 revenue split, the owners are the ones sticking their necks out hundred percent and not the players so much. So I, 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 I kind of see both sides, but if I had to like fall onto one team here, it'd probably be the owner's team, which is not something I usually do because those guys are all billionaires and they, I mean, owning a, an MLB franchise is one of the safest things you can ever own as a, as a businessman, the team doesn't lose money ever. And this is the one year where it's going to be different and no one wants to cry for the owners, but it's potentially not just they're going to lose a few million. It's we're talking billions, um, and teams could end up losing all their employees, and not just at the stadium, but guys that work for the actual club. And then the the owners could fall into financial, you know, despair as well. I, I don't want to see all these guys lose their teams just because of this one season. But it, I guess it's possible if they are in the if we're talking billions. Final thoughts, Wade. 
let's just get a deal done. I need baseball. <laughs> I hope so. Um, if it's if it comes down to just money, it's it's too bad. But we'll we'll see. I guess. Prospect of the year, 1992. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. You ready for this? I am. Joey Hamilton. Great goatee game. Fond memories of Joey Hamilton. Quick question, though. Does Joey Hamilton have a better career if he's Joe Hamilton? No. No? You think Joey Hamilton's a better player than Joe Hamilton? Yeah, it sticks out. People are like, who? Joe Hamilton's (laughs) too, too simple. And like all the opposing fans get to make fun of him, calling him Joey. I like it. Why? Why is making fun of him better? Calling him Joey. How is that making fun of him? Just calling his his name. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean it was like when Chipper Jones came to town. Everybody's yelling Larry at him. You know. I don't think that's his name. I don't think he cares. That's his. What his his mama called him. I mean the Y (laughs) on the end of your name. You don't think like. Well, it's different with like opposing Wadey. fans are making calling you fun of him, little kid. Nah, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't buy that. Um, that's that's kind of what baseball players do anyway. They just throw a Y on the end of your name, and that's your nickname. A lot of guys do that. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, former number one pick. I didn't realize this. N- number one pick in 1991. He went eighth overall. Georgia kid. Shocking. Everybody's from Georgia, and he went on to play at Georgia Southern three years. Um, as a sophomore at Georgia Th- Southern, Hamilton had an 18 and four record with a 307 ERA, and he was one of the f- nine finalists for the Golden Spikes Award, which uh, got him second team All Honors, All American Honors from Sporting News and Baseball America. So he had a really prodigious or prolific college career, and I, I didn't remember that happening. I didn't expect that, and I didn't ex- remember him being a number one pick. That's pretty crazy. The pedigree on this kid. Nothing from you? Great. <laughs> Turned down being drafted by the Orioles in 1988. So he went. To, he, he drafted by the Orioles and out of high school, and he decided to go to college instead. Picked three years later by the Padres. Interesting nugget, courtesy of Wikipedia. In 1992, Padres then-general manager Joe McIlvain stated the Padres would never have selected Hamilton if they knew his agent was Scott Boris, which it was. How did they not... How do they not know who his agent was? How is that possible? We're going we're to find out. McIlvain said, basically, he lied to us. We had no idea. That's why half the time you don't know who he represents. So he's talking about Scott Boris. He's very good at that. Meaning Scott, again. His clients are good about keeping their mouths shut. So apparently, they were just lied to about who Hamilton's agent was. And it was Scott Boris. And they would not have selected Joe Hamilton if they knew it was Scott. Which is crazy. And then McIlvain have re- later retracted his comments. That doesn't mean shit. God, I hate it when people retract their comments. You said the comment. You can't retract it. Uh, about He retracted about Hamilton and Boris after Boris threatened to sue him. So I guess that gets you out of being sued if you retract it. But he still fucking said it. So um, let's say he didn't get drafted by the Padres. Who would the Padres have taken in that 1991 draft? Uh, Dimitri Young went fourth. Big Dimitri Young guy. So ninth went Mark Smith to the Orioles, Tyler Green, Manny Sean Ramirez. Who oh, Manny Ramirez going 13, Cliff Floyd 14, Sean Green 16. 
Uh, Pokey Reese. Your guy, Pokey Reese, going 20. It's a good draft. He's there's my a lot favorite of, player, Pokey Reese. There's lots of good players in here. Aaron Seeley even um, going late in the first round of the Red Sox. So if Hamilton doesn't go, um, I mean, the next couple of picks are Tyler Green and Sean Estes, who are both, or Mark Smith, and then Tyler Green, Sean Estes. Those, those two guys were all-stars. So maybe if, they, if they're going pitcher, those are two pitchers. Mark Smith's an outfielder. Um, Doug Glanville's in there. It's it's possible to get an upgrade even by taking possible like a Sean Estes. That'd be interesting. Alternate history for the Padres. Uh, so the next year, this is his first year in the system. He goes, uh, he rises to the 36th best prospect according to Baseball America. And then in '94, he breaks in has a has a a pretty impressive rookie campaign. 108 innings, a 2.98 ERA, only 61 strikeouts, but also only 29 walks. He was never a strikeout pitcher, though. No, he's a control guy always, stays around the plate, doesn't get a lot of swing and miss, doesn't walk anyone, crafty righty, but probably not the ceiling you want from a guy that's being taken in the top 10 overall. So maybe McIlvain kind of messed up. I mean, Sean Estes would have been a a much better pick who ended up going three picks later. Um, He was part of that 98 team that uh, me and Tommy went over. Um, kind of a tremendous back end guy to have just innings eater, 200 innings that year, 427 ERA, 34 starts. So not really sexy numbers, but a really valuable piece, uh, at the back of your rotation is a fourth, fifth guy, him and Mark Langston. Pretty nice. So during that 98 world series, the Padres had Hamilton scheduled the pitch game four. This is uh, I saw this on Wikipedia also passed over for Kevin Brown, who was the game one starter. And th- that makes sense because. The Potters were down 3-0 at that point, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna throw everything you have. So the Kevin Brown gets to start for Game Four instead of Hamilton. Um, he did uh, enter Game Three to pitch in relief for Sterling Hitchcock. So I think at some point they knew they were in desperate times, and they knew um, by that point they they were not going to start Joe uh, in Game Four. And then with San Diego overall, he went uh, 55 and 44 with a 3.75 ERA. That's that's a solid guy. I mean, a career 444 ERA guy, but we got the best years out of him in San Diego for sure. And a 375 is above league average for the back end guy. I love that. Yeah, he was a solid pitcher. He wasn't like blow you away stuff, but like you said, just innings eater, like a guy you want on your staff. Yeah, I was a fan. And he only spent five years with the Padres. He he got traded after the 98 season, but that's kind of when they were rebuilding. And he was coming off a, a burst of sack injury in his shoulder in 97 anyway. And that happened in 97. They signed Kevin Brown to kind of help bolster that bullpen. And then, you know, after 98, they're thinking, okay, we're, we're tearing down this whole team anyway. Let's just, we'll, we'll move Joey when we have the chance here. And send him to Toronto for Pete Tucci, Carlos Almanzar. No idea who these guys are. I remember Woody, Carlos Almanzar. You do? Yeah. But the, the big piece here is Woody Williams. I was a big Woody Williams guy. I think that's a great trade. Loved Woody Williams. Woody Williams could drop bombs. Yeah, people forget he was a great hitter. One of the the true pioneering hitting pitchers of his day. Yeah, I remember we would pinch hit him all the time. <laughs> him and Adam Eaton. Yeah, that's a, that's a great bench when you're having to pinch hit Woody Williams and Adam Eaton. Those are the the dark era. Uh, those early two thousand Padres teams. Jesus. Um, so after he went to Toronto, he got cut after a couple years. Um, or just, I guess, released or his contract. I didn't look that part up, but um, 
Pottery's re-signed him after his stint with Toronto, and then he has a stint with Cincinnati. Pottery's re-signed him in 2003. He went to AAA back when it was the Portland Beavers. Love the Beavers. He pitched in 11 games. They, like, the state of Oregon can't get more creative. They just have to name <laughs> it after the college team. There's no more names. It's either Ducks or Beavers. That's all they've got. Maybe some kind of tree name, like the conifers or the the elms. I don't know. What's a big tree in Portland? But maybe some kind of like pot-related thing you could do now since it's it's legalized. You know, Milwaukee, Milwaukee has the brewers. Yeah, call it the, the strip clubs or the some kind of the, creative name there. The hipsters. I don't know about the hipsters. The Portland hipsters would be a pretty good minor league name. Actually, there's a... The Cubs affiliate in Tennessee is called the Smokies. They, I mean, it's called it's for Smoky Mountain. But what if they threw that name in Portland, the Portland Smokies? And That's not what, bad. Their, their hats just like a bong. Could be a, f- a puff of smoke. I don't know. A pair of like eyes, like the Elsinore Storm, but they're like bloodshot. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get creative there. Um, so accolades for Joey. He got fifth in rookie of the year voting in 1994. So that's not bad. And then in 95, he had a 4.6 baseball reference war, which is really good. So he, and then career earnings, I threw in this $22 million. It's like he, he did some stuff in the majors. He was a good little player. First round pick though, as your number one overall prospect, um, that high baseball America, probably a little disappointing career, but if this was my career, I'd be very happy. 1994 rookie of the year. Bob Hamlin. I don't even know who that is. Bob Hamlin. That's I mean, kind of sounds familiar, but without looking it up, I don't really know who that is. On the Royals. Typical. Really tough for the Padres to get any votes for anything, I'm sure. But I don't know. I, I was happy with Joey Hamilton. Next week, uh, I haven't looked up who we're getting next week, but the names are getting more and more familiar. And... I mean, I learned a little bit about Joey Hamilton. I hope you did too, even though I did all the research. <laughs> yeah, I'm just always going to remember his goatee. It was a pretty fire goatee. Does anyone on the Padres currently have a good goatee? I think goatees aren't really in fashion in baseball anymore. Yeah. Not nearly. I mean, the 90s. Well, 80s, I think, was the mustache era. Does 90s sound like the goatee era? 2000s the beard and now it's i guess it's still beard we're still riding onto the beard i guess i mean no one on the potters really has a beard either besides like greg garcia yeah i don't know does that yeah it's a it's an official beard um i feel like pitchers have more beards than the average player do do any of the potters have i can't think guys latin guys not so much we have a lot of latin guys and they don't they don't do as much facial hair i guess tatis has like some chops or something right or he has, he's he got a, a little kind of go, goatee. Uh, no, he he's full beard. He grow he grows kind of a shitty beard that I grow, which is very sparse, sparse, sparse. Yeah, sparse up top, but like strong neck beard game. Yeah, and, and he kind of like buzzes it at the top. Yeah, he he fades it up into his uh his hairline. Mine doesn't even connect. I've got I've got one of the worst beards out there, but. Uh, yeah, he, I, I would characterize him as a full beard and the rest of the team Machado dabbles with like a little, a little something like he's got some chops and then maybe like a little soul patch thing, which I, I'm not a fan of at all, but, um, no one, no one else really Hosmer. Oh, I guess Hosmer has the beard. He's the beard guy on the team. 
I think Greg Garcia is the beard guy on the team. But he doesn't play enough. Okay. So, anyway, that's my take. If that even counts as a take. Probably not. You don't want to retract that? Uh, if he threatens to sue me, I will retract it, yes. All right. I'll do the the McIlvain. So, before we get out of here, we actually ended up going a little longer than I thought. We may push Dustin to next week or just make him a different episode altogether. I think that makes sense. And then you can... Uh, I don't have to force you guys to download the Dustin episode. You can just avoid it if you want, which I think is fair too. Wade's film room. Before we go, Wade, do you got anything to watch? I have, I have nothing to watch this week. I'm out of stuff. I'm desperate. What I watched, uh, afterlife Ricky Gervais's show on Netflix. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm so, so on Ricky Gervais. It's all about like, I mean, it's kind of depressing, but it's still pretty funny. It's uh, mm-hmm. like his wife died, and it's all about him kind of coping with life after she oh, died. Jesus. Um, but he kind of like makes it a little funny. It's it's solid. Good time for that. Yeah, I love listening to depressed stuff when I'm ho- at home isolated during a pandemic. That's the best time to hear that kind of stuff. And then I've been catching up on Bravo. Uh, what's a good show on Bravo right now? I've been watching Sailing and uh, Real Housewives of New York. Are you betting on Real Housewives? No, but love my girl Sonia. You are a big Sonia guy. I don't even know what that means, but I've heard you mention Sonia on the show. <laughs> uh, I, I've been watching Rick and Morty. That's the new thing that's out, or it's at the new season. Have I you- restarted uh, Always Sunny, too. Okay. I guess this is the era for restarting shows. Yeah. Rewatching things. So, although Rick, Rick and Morty's got new episodes right now. For the time being, they've got the season was split into two for some reason. I don't know why they're doing that, but uh, the season I, I think it hasn't been the strongest season for Rick and Morty. I, I, I love the show, but not their best work. Lost in the, fastball. Yeah, they're uh, they're aging quickly um, with the fastball. They're, they've got to turn into you know Greg Maddox. They've they've got to work on the command a little bit. Other than that, um, still a Hall of Fame show for me, but they've got to, they've got to work on you know, some things they're a little, they're getting a little repetitive with some of the stuff. And by that, I mean like the, the overly self-aware kind of tone of the show. It's kind of getting like, it was fun once in a while. And uh, it's kind of like, Oh, we're doing that joke again. We're, you know what I mean? It's hard to describe, but there's like pickle Rick again, a little bit where they're, they're trying, they're trying to be in on their own joke, which I thought was fine once or twice, but now they're, now there's, there's a whole episode on that or, you know, not my favorite kind of comedy, but it, it, it's okay. Anyway, other stuff I'm watching, uh, nothing new. I've got nothing new to watch. Last Dance was kind of it. And other than that, um, I don't know. I haven't seen a, a fresh movie in forever. I need a movie. I saw one of the worst movies of all time, actually, on Netflix. Uh, Go on. What's his name? It's Who's Adam Sandler's friend? Oh, you're talking about, uh, no, not the sports movie, right? No. Um, the David wrong Spade? Missy. Is it David Spade who I hate? Yeah, it was David. It's a David Spade movie. <laughs> <laughs> the I wrong Missy the... is so bad. <laughs> David Spade isn't funny unless he's standing next to Chris Farley. It, I do not recommend it to anybody. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, well, if, if it's that strong a bad movie, like that's almost grounds to watch it when they're that bad. See, you know, 
if I tell you I've got the worst movie ever, like you're kind of curious, like how I want to see how bad this movie is. I mean, it's like the raccoon commercial. This chip tastes like shit. Here, taste it. <laughs> I would. Uh, now you got me curious. Okay. Well, that's that's Wade's film room. Watch that shitty David Spade movie. And uh, if you're like me and you like Rick and Morty, you're probably already watching Rick and Morty. And if you haven't watched Rick and Morty, what the fuck are you doing? It's a pandemic. Fucking watch Rick and Morty. So that's the time. Anyway, Wade, just got here. You done? Yep. Thank you, Gaul. You whoa. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow the show's Twitter account at Fryer Farmhands. And if you enjoy the show, if you don't enjoy the show, subscribe anyway. Please, we're on all your favorite platforms: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to the Believe and Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. I'm Ryan, and that was Wade. See you guys next week. Retract. Just move on toward your destination. Enjoy yourself, dog. You bitch, fuck you. Y'all, y'all gave us the run for our money. Yeah. All right, take care. Thank you for working on that golf game of yours. <laughs>